You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Kura and... Brazilian tie wrapping up the 109th Grey Cup from Regina. Well, I'm in Regina. The Grey Cup was in Regina and the Brazilian tie is in BC at work. Now, I was asked dozens of times why uh, you didn't come to the Grey Cup. And uh, my basic answer was that uh, Ty has no self-control. And every time he comes to the Grey Cup, he goes bankrupt. Is that is that uh, accurate, Ty? I'd say no self-control and the pettiness is out of control as well. Like, let's be honest. We all know the real reason that I have a Chris Walby jersey. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, and it explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe to the Well Endowed Podcast at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Well, I got to Regina on Wednesday. Uh, I actually was on the tail end of uh, just just a cold, but it really shredded my voice. So being this horse at the end of the Grey Cup Festival is not a surprise, but starting... <laughs> yeah. When you're start when you're starting here, yeah. and then your voice is not that much like it might be better than when you showed up. It is actually better than Wednesday, which is remarkable. Which is which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I tried to take it easy. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I, I make it. Yeah, I as my it. Snapchat stories would attest. <laughs> I'm not on the Snapchat, but Mr. Sheldon Jones, who's become a regular host on uh, on To and Out, uh, he always had the phone out when I was rocking out, having the time of my life at the Spirit of Edmonton or whatever I was doing, making sure, keeping everybody in his circle updated on the Snapchat machine. Uh, Thursday, uh, did the Spirit of Edmonton, had a great time there. Uh, Friday, did the State of the League in the morning. And I guess you should say that one of the biggest news items to come out of that was the fact that playoffs, other than the Grey Cup, are going to be on Saturday in 2023. Ty, what's your first reaction? I I, I get the thinking where they don't want to go up against the NFL schedule. It's in full swing. You got uh, 14 games on the Sunday. But we've seen in the past, Saturday ratings suck. For playoffs, I, I I don't understand why you want to go back to that. Other than just not competing against the NFL, but I mean Saturday, 
is the day of the weekend really where people are going to go out and do stuff. I know it's in the middle of November. I get that. There's still, you know, even Sundays during the day, I think it's kind of a, it can be a hard sell. I wouldn't mind a Saturday and a Sunday night, or like a Saturday, Sunday night where, cause I mean, hockey, you got school stuff, school sports are going like everything's during the day. So I, 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 I get, I get the not wanting to go up against the NFL. I get, you know, trying to give them their own day, but there people are just so busy now. Like I, like I don't know if it really makes a difference. I don't have the number in front of me, but I, I believe I saw the Western final had a rating of 1.2 million people yeah. uh, on average. And uh, that's on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the Saturday move benefits more people uh, in the stadium than it does. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> maybe I'm naive. I'm, I'm not too worried about uh, the playoffs for the CFL are consistently one of the most, the highest rating yeah. sports program of the weekend in Canada, NFL or not. And I think the, the one thing that sucks for fans, me is I work Saturdays. Yeah. 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 Right. Like it was nice having guaranteed no one I was going to have, have two games and then I would have to record, which I mean, whatever, but, yeah. <laughs> I get to see and talk to you. Uh, now it just makes like those Saturday triple headers. I hate Saturday day games. I hate. It's just, I, 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 if it's not broke, why fix it? It's just another. I'm not. I don't want to crap on them that much because I mean, this Great Cup is a. I would say a rousing, a rousing success. Uh, but I mean. You have what he said about Mexico in the combine. You have this move. Like it's just get out of your own way. Why why are we changing all of this stuff when it doesn't need to be changed? It does seem like uh the schedule is gonna be ready December twentieth or around that time. That's what he said. And that uh they really obviously they want the expansion team. I am having a tough time being optimistic with that. Um, I think it would be I'm, silly. I'm not at all. I, I, I just think it would be silly. I, I think people have suggested the whole temporary thing, like a, a nomadic Atlantic team for a few seasons until they can get a stadium. And what if the stadium, I don't know. That, that does not sound like a, uh, well, and a good They trot plan. the riders out there all the time and then say there's 10,000 people. Well, yeah, people go there as an event. Like, I don't know what the support would be for nine home games. It's just all about getting the, the stadium. I think build it and the people will come if the situation is right, the price point's right, the everything. But they need to have a place to play. They just yeah. got a 10,000-seat temporary solution uh, before getting a team on the field. But it does appear they want the Grey Cup if there is – 10 teams they can shave a few weeks off the schedule and have the gray cup in early november rather than later on in november how would Um, they shave weeks off well because now that every week in the odd number of teams there's somebody on a buy right so they they're able to pull off we can go back we go back to the labor day uh scenarios we had before where the week before it was the west on by and then the week after it was the east on by 
Right, right. And uh, yeah, so we'll see if that does happen in the next few years. I think that is Randy Ambrosi's main mission. And uh, I applaud him for it. Uh, he's starting to be, he's starting to get the little bit of the Gary Batman scenario. <laughs> there are People blues. that boo Gary Batman just don't get it. <laughs> fine you're idiots but go on <laughs> there are boos starting to come out of the crowd when when he shows up and he did say he's got meetings in atlantic canada mm-hmm. this week um so uh it is i think he wants it to be his legacy to get that that team in atlantic canada and i would love to see it as well but it does seem like things are moving at a snail's pace but it does look like the Grey Cup will remain in November. It is kind of weird. Uh, the Grey Cup is in the books, but we still have one more weekend and one more game of big Canadian football with the Vanier mm-hmm. Cup happening next weekend. In the past few years, the Grey Cup has been the same weekend as American Thanksgiving. There were I've seen CFL fans in the bar for the Thursday triple header watching the NFL games and then Friday comes and then the Saturday Vanier Cup and Sunday Grey Cup, but there's still another weekend of Canadian football to go. And to me, any time in November, it doesn't matter where it, whether it's November 30th or November 1st, it's a wild card when it comes to the weather. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe the playoffs altogether, maybe you have a better chance at decent weather, but it's nothing's a guarantee in this uh, this no. climate, man. No, and I mean, you can bitch about the weather and how it can affect the outcome of games. Both teams have to play in it. It's not like it's a huge yeah, advantage yeah. for one team. Like, yeah, cold weather, I can see, but like when you get into snow and stuff, like they moved that Buffalo game. And yeah. I, I, I called them cowards, and then I saw pictures of the stadium. Like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Right, but I mean, both teams got to play in it. So, I mean, both teams have to deal yeah. with that in their own way. Uh, and I, I get not wanting weather to be a huge aspect when it comes down to playoff games. I mean, we saw that in the in the ALCS where they closed the dome or they didn't close the dome in Houston. And that was a storyline because Aaron Boone tried to make it one. You know, you, you see BC goes into Winnipeg and it's it's the flurries and it's cold and BC's a dome team. Uh, and how are they going to And it, it affected them, I would think, but it didn't take quite the toll everybody thought it would. Uh but I mean, you move it up, you get that little bit of warm weather. Maybe it helps the gate, uh, you know, and especially with a festival like Great Cup puts on from Wednesday to Sunday. If, if you can get warmer weather, uh, you know, a lot all the outdoor stuff is a lot more enjoyable, and people are willing to stay longer and spend more money and and, and prop that up. Man, the uh, the Regina had a great, you know, organized. Great Cup, but man, they fit a lot of people into the real district. I heard Friday night <laughs> trying to get your coat from Coat Check. It was over an Who hour. Who takes a coat to Great Cup? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was over an hour wait. Saturday night, the, the beer lines were a mile long. I heard they were right. I, I think capacity of Ryderville was... I don't know if it's accurate. I heard around seven thousand. Like it was yeah, worst ma- worst party on the planet. Massive, massive yeah. room. So everybody under under you know one roof. They had the shuttles rolling, and they actually made sense. And they had uh, schedules that they followed for the shuttles. And Spirit of Edmonton was quite a bit on an island. And uh, the That's breakfast, the, best. 
the breakfast was well attended, but Saturday night, it wasn't that busy, man. It was you you and four other people were on the dance floor for breaking the wall. Yeah, it was, it was quite interesting, but Hey, I got a fist bump from the front man of spoiled rotten. And that was worth my time uh, of being at spirit of Edmonton. Is there, is there a bigger, is there two bigger spoiled rotten fans than you and I? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Sheldon Jones might be a fan we, now. We might be reeling him in. I, it was like Inception watching Sheldon uh, Sheldon's Snapchat story because that was the point in time when you would call me, but my phone goes on do not disturb at 9.30 p.m. And <laughs> so then I get a text message from you, and I tried calling you and went to voicemail, then you called me back, and I missed it. Then I called you back, and you called me. <laughs> I was watching that play out on Snapchat from like 10 feet behind you, and it was hilarious. I love it. I love it. Uh, Bomber fans came into Regina on force and uh, well done to them. Mm -hmm. They've earned it. They've become the the flagship franchise of the CFL. They did their best to make the Grey Cup a home game. It sounded like it on TV. Yeah. And then they they brought the party and the, the Bombers, they dominated the CFL awards. Stanley Bryant. Most outstanding offensive lineman for the fourth time in his career. He's an all-time great at mm-hmm. the position. Dalton Schoen, Rookie of the Year. Mike O'Shea, Coach of the Year. Zach Kalaris, most outstanding player for the Bombers. Dominated those awards. Super Mario Alfred, the uh, most outstanding special teams player. And Lorenzo Malden, the most outstanding defensive player for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, I thought that maybe the special teams and the uh, and the uh, defensive player could have gone either way, but uh, mm-hmm. not not many surprises uh, on the CFL no. awards night. But great to see those players get the recognition they deserve. Oh, one hundred percent, and not only the players like you talk about Michael Shea, coach of the year. We see it all the time in the NHL and, and to a point in in football where the team that fires their coach, the new coach comes in if they have a huge improvement the next season, or even if it's in that same year and he turns that team around, I Craig Berube when St. Louis was dead last, right. You know, they, they, they win the Jack Adams. They win coach of the year. Mike Babcock's never won one. You know why? Cause you don't get any, you don't get any like kudos for t- getting a team to the top and keeping them there. That, that is way harder. Yeah. That's way harder. And Michael Shagan recognized, I think that, that made me happy because like that is something that he has built there and he's getting recognized for it. It's not just a, a, a team that gets turned around for a season. It's continued success. And that's what it should be. Is this his last game as a head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? No. Yeah. I think now they got unfinished business. Now they want to come back. Yeah, I could, uh, I could. They're a group that uh, I think would be motivated by uh, a game like that. That's for sure. The 109th grade. Let's cup. say. Let's say he's not back in Winnipeg. Let, let's say wherever he goes, who goes with him? Like players will follow. That's true. If they're if they're free agents, like it'll be. That that could change a lot of the landscape. The Bombers, five and a half point favorites going into this one but the Toronto Argonauts aren't I look trends it, it's so funny you, 
we we talk about old Grey Cups from seventy years ago, eighty. Like years they matter. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, the, they, the, they do matter. I mean, it's history, but they I don't know. matter. They don't matter for the game today. Yeah, but the Argos, twenty seventeen, they're major underdogs against the. Calgary Stampeders. How many Ottawa. players are left from that team? Uh, it's either none. None. And it's, it's got to be. It has to be. It has to be zero. And then 2012 underdogs against the Calgary Stampeders in the Dome. 2004, they were underdogs. Pinball, the coach in Ottawa mm-hmm. when they won the Grey Cup. Yeah, they were favorites when Flutie was the coach, but the Argos winning six Quarterback. straight. Grey Cups, yeah, quarterback. And the Argos now winning seven straight Grey Cups against the Bombers, dating back to the They've 30s. never lost to the Bombers. And I don't know how that works. And, I, that, and like you said, it doesn't matter. Let, let's be honest. Those early years where the West team was always having to travel out, yeah, out east yeah. and just on the train and just getting screwed over like that, that probably yeah. helped a lot. I think it was the 1933 Grey Cup where Toronto triumphs over Winnipeg, 4-3. And early in the game when it was 4 nothing Toronto, nice, <laughs> nice. I was thinking, hey, are we going to have a 4-3 game? Because I'm here for it. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think that in that first half that it was a lot of offensive ineptitude. Like I, The defense has really stepped up. Well, and that's what Toronto needed. The, mm-hmm. That was the key. Can they get to Zach Kolaros? Can they make him test the ankle? Now, I haven't watched the broadcast yet. Was the ankle a big point of focus in the game? Do you think it affected Zach at all? No passing yards in the first quarter. I don't know if it affected him. I think I think that no yard or no passing yards in the first quarter is more of a uh, what the what O'Shea and what Buck Pierce wanted to do? Not necessarily not throw the ball at all, but they wanted to establish the run and and get first downs that way, and then work the pass off of it. And they opened it. They opened the game with two straight or two back to back two and outs. So it was really hard to get that going. But I think the the game plan coming in, I think for both teams was to just try to ground and pound because it's way way harder to make mistakes that way. Uh, when he did take off, he looked fine. So, he, did. he did. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think you'd want him scrambling eight times out of ten, yeah. right? Like it, they would rather him be able to keep him in the pocket, and not have him have to scramble, unless it's like a bootleg. I, I was wondering about the ankle going into mm-hmm. this game as well, and honestly, it didn't look great Thursday when he was walking around for press conferences. And yeah. Stuff. I, I wondered, hey, if he's a good seller, and he went to you know the Shawn Michaels school of uh, Kevin Nash <laughs> in a wheelchair. <laughs> Maybe that was getting into yeah. Toronto's heads uh, a little bit there. Uh, Boris Beattie opens the scoring with a forty-six yard field goal for the Argos, and then actually the Argos make the first mistake. Uh, when McLeod Bethel Thompson mm-hmm. gets sacked by Jackson Jeffcoat, he recovers his own fumble. But the, the Bombers, as we've seen so many times this season, couldn't couldn't capitalize on that. 
and they they didn't get any points out of forcing the turnover there. Big flipping uh, field position. That was above. Yeah, him. yeah. But Brady Oliveira, he did have 15 carries. He did have 82 yards in this one, and that is the way they wanted to try to beat mm-hmm. Toronto. They wanted to try to beat him in the trenches. That's for sure, right from the get go. And and I think you know with Kalaros's ankle being a huge storyline, them knowing if they can get Oliveira going to the point where they not necessarily can't be stopped, but if they can get him five, six yards of carry, you know, on first down, make second down manageable where you don't have to have those plays that take too long to develop because we know, yes, Toronto's defense is ranked eight in the CFL. They have Hinoch Mwamba. They have Jaguar Davis. They have Sean o- They have guys on that, on that, on that roster that are phenomenal. Gary Peters, like these are guys that are absolute game breakers and you don't want to give them a chance. And I mean, they, they held, I mean, 85 yards, not terrible from Brady Oliveira. No. But Toronto, Toronto weathered the storm and, and yeah, they flip Winnipeg flips field position on that, on that punt. And then their defense comes out and forces a two and out. For Toronto to end the quarter, like it just, it seemed like Toronto would get a little bit of momentum and just shoot themselves in the foot with their drives. And Winnipeg, Oliver, they seem to get down the field with with pretty decent run game. Find Dalton Schoen, find Ray and try to get stuff going. But it just seemed like the defense was always able to step up and make a play. Yeah, uh, Boris Beattie has the missed field goal. So they had a, a single there to go up. Four nothing, and then how huge is that right now? I know, yeah, that single was really big for the Argos late in the game, and then uh, the Bombers come back and they have themselves a pretty good drive eight mm-hmm. plays, 70 yards, four and a half minutes off the clock. That does end uh, with a Dakota Prukop touchdown there. Uh, but yeah, you see the shown big play, thirty-nine yards there, and <laughs> look at that. Uh, the what the Toronto? Oh, they had the too many men penalty there that ended up getting declined on the Greg Ellingson pass. But yeah, that was a big drive where the Bombers took the lead, and you thought, here we go, uh, the Bomber offense is going to get rolling here, and yeah they took the lead back and it seemed like Winnipeg was going to start rolling on the Argos. Yeah. I mean, you have who we talked, you have said his name a hundred times already tonight. It feels like you have a guy like Brady Oliveira. You feel like you can run the ball down the other team's throat. You have those playmakers uh, in your receiving core. You have a guy like Zach Kalaros who once they found, once his ankle was fine, I'm sure he had some shots in it. I'm sure like he wasn't playing at a hundred percent. I don't think anybody was, but once they knew that he was fine, like I think that kind of opened them up a little bit, and we saw a lot of a lot of not necessarily scrambles, but uh, I don't even know if they were really bootlegs, but where he would he was not afraid to leave the pocket, and you knew once he left the pocket that pass was getting completed, and yeah. Toronto Toronto got lots of pressure, and every time they got pressure, if if they if that first guy didn't get to Kalaros or if he missed you knew you were in trouble. That was the big thing. Like, if you can get pressure on Kolaros, I mean, and that goes for any game. You have a good mm-hmm. chance of winning. It's just seems like it'd be difficult to 
get through Winnipeg's yeah. offensive line and get to Kolaris because when he moves, he gets into space, his receivers find open space, and they make things happen. So, yeah, Sean Oakman stepped up in this one, and he made some plays. And as 800 the, feet tall. <laughs> as the game went on, it kind of seemed like the game of trenches was going Toronto's way. Uh, especially on defense. Their their D-line was getting to Zach at the end of the game over and over and over again. Uh, and Andrew Harris was running like a that run he had in the first half where he hurdles the defender. And here Harris was fired up. He was chirping yeah. his old team. He's chirping the fans in the stands. And, yeah, he was fired up to be at Mosaic. So we go into the half, 10-7, at the end of the half where Boris Beattie misses the field goal, it was a close call. Sometimes those long missed field goals at the end of a half, if they can get returned back, yeah. that is a day. And especially, especially because Winnipeg deferred. Yeah. So yeah. basically a score and then you get the ball right back. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how'd the halftime show turn out on TV? No, I, I don't really want to go the, the negative route, which seems like everybody probably wants to. I don't know what the online chatter was, but uh, it was better. It was better than the pregame the- show <laughs> or the kickoff show because that was awful. <laughs> the, the production of the whole event was was top notch. Uh, mm-hmm. The names weren't maybe as recognizable to me, but uh, the snowbirds flying over the stadium. I thought changing pill country to the gray cup logo, it looked great at mosaic. Yep. I, I think the whole thing was just a great setting for the game and they had great production. I thought, Oh yeah. And I mean, even on TV, it came through, uh, sounded good. There wasn't a, it didn't seem like there was a lot of hiccups, which I think is a huge. Yeah. Nice. Uh, no matter. And I mean, we didn't, I don't think we had any hiccups in Calgary. I don't think there's any hiccups last year, but I mean, yeah. People are always going to look for something. They right? do. And, they and do. I mean, it, it 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 was quick, not quick, but you know, there wasn't. But sometimes when you have you know two or three acts and you got that little bit of dead time, it just seemed to flow really well, and the production was great. Now, second half starts. You're right. Winnipeg takes the ball, and in the stands, it felt like the wind was starting to die down. I don't think it was affecting the game, but. It was sure cooling me down in the stands. I I was cooling off, and it started with a two-and-out for the Bombers. Chris Mm -hmm. Edwards with the big sack for the Argos, and Toronto gets it back. Look at that. You've got Andrew Harris running the ball. Bethel Thompson hits the bars. Let's not forget that Leak returned that punt to the Winnipeg 35-yard line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legio like, was he was struggling, struggling. in the Leak, second half. Leak had a hell of a night tonight. He had six returns, I think 160 some or 150 some yards. Like he he gave them even on kickoffs, he was getting to the 40, 45. He was giving them decent yeah. field position. They weren't getting pinned unless it was penalties. Like he he played out of his mind tonight from the return uh, from a returner aspect. Of course, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, he did not hurt. In fact, I I think without his returns like because banks went down there early banks wasn't wasn't 100 percent. i i don't know what they do uh you know if if leak gets hurt so i think he was a he was a real big piece of this of this win tonight 
Yeah, he had the 23-yard return before the touchdown drive where A.J. Olette gets his first score to put the Argos up 13-10. But then the the Bombers answered back with something we've seen from them so many times this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought Toronto could have crumbled after this drive, 13 plays, 85 yards, seven minutes and 12 seconds off the clock. It's yeah. Bombers 17, Argos 14 in the third quarter. But the, the damaging parts of that drive were there was a, a sack by Sean Oakman, but Toronto was offside on the play, so it erases the sack. And then there ended up being the pass interference in the end zone called on Tavares McFadden on Drew Wolitarski. Yep. So then that gave Winnipeg the ball on the goal line. So two penalties on that drive and the Argos could have fallen under the pressure during that moment. But as we know, they did not. Well, and this, this team is full of veterans. Like you look at he, Enoch Mwamba, he's been in the league for 11 years. Yeah. Gary Davis, you know, sixth straight Great cup appearance. Like all six years he's been in the CFL, he's been in there. Amazing. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, they have the guys that they know the highs can't get too high and the lows can't get too low. And I think having that leadership group that they do in Toronto, and even Ryan Dinui to a point, yes, we don't like some of the decisions he makes. We we make fun of that. Uh, but he has his first career start was in a great cup. He knows that you cannot beat yourself. And, and I think that leadership group and that coaching staff knows that, preached that, and got. And these players were prepared to, to stay even keel. They, they were never out of it. They, they just hung around, and, and it paid off. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's just that, that, that drive from Winnipeg should have been debilitating. Yeah. I, think it would have, I think it would have been to a, a lot of other teams. And the, the very next drive for the Argos, it's it's a two and out, including that unnecessary roughness on uh, mm-hmm. 62. So it pushes them back. But the Argo defense, they they answered by pushing Winnipeg back. They, they lost 12 yards on the next drive. And all of a sudden, we are in the fourth quarter. And, and here we now it gets wild. This fourth quarter had absolutely absolutely everything uh oh yeah it started with yeah. uh, the generian grant uh punt, re- punt return the longest punt return in great cup history 102 yards to the house it is 2314 i love i Winnipeg. love how glenn Suter points out the one guy who got pushed out of his lane and just throws him under the bus for 30 seconds. <laughs> it's like, oh. Oh, and when we talk about so many times special teams touchdowns, they are a demolisher. So mm-hmm. look, another I was I game, was dejected. Another point in the game where the Argos could have crumbled. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They didn't. They answer back with a field goal on the next. Let's drive. talk about after. Let's talk about that. Janarian Grant punt return though. Legio misses the field goal, or the the convert. Another point where that point comes back to bite him later. Like, I I 
don't have it in front of me, but what was Legio's like? It just I didn't have a lot of faith in Legio just from what I've seen this year. We've seen him miss kicks from not like you know not fifty five yards, but we've seen him miss kicks from thirty five. We've seen him miss converts. Well, he and, drilled a fifty five yarder on Labor Day, and he missed right? easy ones against Montreal. So right, it, it's just it's one of those things like you knew it was going to happen at some point. It had to happen, and he misses that convert. They're only up nine. Instead of ten, and it, it it ends up coming back to bite him. But I mean, it was just one of those things. Like at some point, this is going to happen because it's leggy and it just feels right. It's like a Kevin Glenn interception. Now, <laughs> however, what Beatty's Beatty's thirty six yarder, I was that was his third thirty six yard attempt of the night, and I was like, man, well, <laughs> this this he has to make this, or else I am dead in the water. <laughs> the Argos, uh, they, they answer back with a, yeah, a field goal. It was 23-14. Now it's 23-17. But why we see this where I know that teams it's always terrible have coach decisions to, to it, dumb. You don't have line changes in football. Yeah. They have, they have packages for the backup quarterback. And I get it if it's second and one. Mm-hmm. Or third and one, first and ten. Prukop's in there, throws it deep, picked off by Shaq Richardson of the Argos. Well, now McLeod Bethel Thompson's out of the game. Hand injury is that what it was? Yeah, uh, on the la- on the drive before on his follow through. I don't know if it hit. I think it was Jefferson. Would have been Jefferson or Jeffcoat. Uh, either hit his helmet or he got it jammed. It must have been his thumb, index finger area, kind of looked like, because on the follow-through, it looked like it either hit the helmet or got jammed in between the body and, and himself. So it just looked kind of looked like that. It might be a bit of a sprain or something. I don't know the extent of it, but they he had a glove on trying to keep it warm. They were going to tape it up. And then he was seen later, no tape. When Kelly was in, he was just had in the hand warmer, I think, keeping it warm, loose, in case he had come in. But I think that it was kind of a break glass case emergency thing. I don't think he was coming back in unless he absolutely had to. Was he pushing to go back in at all? It didn't look something? like it. Oh, okay. It didn't look okay. like it. Um, but I think at the same time, I think like he knows that he knows that if he goes back in, he knows the, the guy that's going to give them the best chance. I don't think he cares if he's the one that makes the play to win the great cup or not. I mean, he got them there. He played three quarters of the game. He knows that he's a huge part of that team. I don't think he, I don't think this cheapens it for him at all, or it shouldn't. Chad Kelly uh, on that first drive, he hits Did something Phillips. his uncle couldn't do. <laughs> he hits uh, Cam Phillips for a 15-yarder. He hits Marquise Amble for a 15-yarder. And then Willie Jefferson had it in his hands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, that was probably – If Jefferson doesn't knock that down, though, that ball's probably picked off. Yeah. Yeah. By the second level. The yeah. Suter pointed that out when you watch it. The, the DB's undercutting, and it's like, okay, well, maybe that's the best possible scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up hunting, but they got some valuable yards there. And then uh, Winnipeg couldn't get anything done. And I, I think the biggest play that we saw from Chad Kelly, here we are. You know, we got, ooh, yeah, six minutes left in the game. Uh, incomplete pass for Phillips. And then Brandon Banks is yapping at the ref, wanting a 
wanting a pass interference call, he gets flagged for yapping at the ref. So they get pushed back. This, this feels like it's so Brandon Banks. <laughs> now, did they challenge for pass interference there? Because I yep. – Okay. I, I do not think that that was announced in the stadium. And it wasn't – it was not – I think it was just – you only have one challenge. You have both your timeouts. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. They were fishing, which yeah. I hate, but it was also announced that it was announced in the stadium. I think you just missed it because, Probably. or it came through on TV. Uh, the Foxcroft said they were looking against Toronto number 16, which would have been banks, but he, right. he never even got touched on that play. So I, yeah. I just think it was a miscommunication. Yeah. But no, yeah, yeah it wasn't. Also, like 50-some cameras, and we get two angles on replays? Like, give me a break. <laughs> so how big was that? Banks getting the penalty. Then Willie is offside. Mm-hmm. Then we get the tw- – if he doesn't get that offside, well, who knows? But Chad Kelly on that 20-yard run to get the yep. first down on second and 15. And, hey, and what, what set up this, this touchdown drive for Toronto? Javon Lee getting it to the 31 on another yeah. punt return. He was giving the returners no love tonight, eh? Yeah, I wasn't giving the returners love. You're yeah. right. It, it was shortly <laughs> after uh, the, the Janarian Grant touchdown, mm-hmm. and Javon Lee uh, sets the Argos up with a, a beautiful – Guaranteed three points return. almost, it felt like. Yeah. And the Chad Kelly 20-yarder getting him into position and A.J. Olette with his second touchdown of the day. Look, and I I mentioned the second and long for Chad Kelly, but when uh, we saw the Zach Kalaros magic on second and long, on the long, like that's Mm -hmm. when I thought, yeah, Winnipeg is, this is, this is here. They're here. Yeah. But the Argos never, never went away. Never went away. They they get the ball back. <laughs> They're leading 24-23. Where On are we? Olet's second touchdown of the game. That needs to be noted. Yeah, he had a We can get to that game. later. What a great game to A.J. Olet. So they're up 24-23. Then Zach Kalaros gets picked off by Enoch Mwamba. Make, making yeah. up for his dropped pick in the first yeah. half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on, I was scrolling Twitter as the game was on because it was actually pretty full of, of great cup stuff, uh, which I was surprised, especially with the Sunday nighter that was on division game and everything. But uh, at one point, the Argos had four chances at turnovers and were 0 for 4. At, at like, wow. you know, whether it was the, that strip sack, you know, interceptions being dropped, yeah. stuff like that, they were what 0 for 4. Recovery. And it was like that, you got to start converting those because. You keep giving these guys those extra lives, and it's going to come back to bite you. Now, uh, Winnipeg, they, they, they get the ball, and <laughs> uh, they, they're not able to do anything because of the Moambe interception. Toronto gets it back. Now, they're up by a point. They get into to field goal range after the interception. There's two minutes, nine seconds left. Third and two. Yeah, they tried to get Winnipeg to go offside, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't bite. Uh, they, they end up uh, <laughs> calling call the timeout. 
Yeah, going for the kick. And then it's blocked by – it was, yeah, Noah Hallett, I believe, of, mm-hmm. of the Bombers. And I feel, oh, wow, two minutes for Kalaros and the Bombers. Yeah, what a yep. great story for the Argos. It's over now. And then that's got to be Robbie Smith's music. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, what, a, what a final two minutes that guy had. Kalaros and the Bombers – yeah, you're right. They they make the play. Robbie Smith is making catches. He had two catches. No, he had two sacks, I mean. Two sacks. Uh, well, on, uh, one. On the second yeah. one didn't count. One ended up being the face mask. So yeah. here we go. Free yards for the Bombers. Like the drama in the stadium was, mm-hmm. was just absolutely uh, amazing. Ellingson has a big 24-yard catch. And then Mark Leggio. 47 yards it's it's not a it's not an easy kick to make i thought he he struggled with his punts mm-hmm. in the second half for sure and yeah robbie smith has the block the argos with chad kelly are in victory formation they lost to the bombers by one point in july yep. they beat him by one point here in november well, the technically, they beat him by six and a half. If we're... <laughs> Grey Cup champions, the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah. Wild. What, what Wild. a fun game. Like, I can't believe it took three years for Hamilton to finally beat Winnipeg. <laughs> now, there is a uh, three-peat champion, and his name is Andrew Harris. Harris, yep. Three in a row. Jagarin Davis, his sixth straight Grey Cup. Brandon Banks, his third straight Grey Cup appearance. Finally gets his ring. I think he's done. He might be. Yeah, Andrew Harris might be. The the, the Argos might experience a lot of change here in the offseason. I mean, how is that different from any other Grey Cup they've won in the past 10 years? I don't get it. I, I it, it seems like they're a team. They'll win the Grey Cup and just fall apart. And Florida then, Marlins. Florida yeah, Marlins. Then in five years, hey, they'll win it again. Dude, they've won three of the last ten Grey Cups, and they're considered they're they're considered an alt like a whatever. They're yeah. they're obsolete. They're they're non-existent. They're yeah. they don't move the needle. It's wild. It's absolutely yeah. wild. The the. Hinoch Moamba, I don't think he gets his first ring. 11 years, started his career, drafted by the Bombers. Went to the Grey Cup as a rookie. Yep. Thought he'd always get back. Most outstanding Canadian, most outstanding player of the Grey Cup as well. Most valuable player, sorry, of the Grey Cup. No, no, I... I struggle with that. Oh, do you think Olette kind of should have got the... He only had 24 yards. I get that. Yeah, dude found the end zone twice. Enoch had the one, the one dropped interception, which would count as a pass deflection or pass defense. Had the pick yeah. to base to kind of seal the game. Um, and he only had three tackles. Right, right. Uh, you no, know, you, you hear the people joking that it should be Chad Kelly. Well, obviously, it's not going to be. Um, <laughs> but you know. I, I get why they give it to, to Mwamba. I do. Because Olet's numbers, I mean, other than the touchdowns, kind of non-existent. Um, 
none of the receivers really stood out. Nobody had 100 yards on Toronto. You're not going to give it to McLeod Bethel Thompson. Yeah. He didn't finish the game. He only had 203 yards. Uh, so I, 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 I just think it was kind of like the Oilers drafting Neil Yakupov. It was just nobody else there. Yeah. Yeah. But, right. Like, uh, look, I, I, I would have had no problem with them giving guy. it to Olette. I mean, he had two touchdowns, but I mean, you, you give it to Enoch and you can tell how much it really means. And like, it's impossible to hate that guy. It really is. Like, he's his he's story is salt of the earth. His story is why, like, his story is great. Uh, the QEW series. Like, he's yeah. just an amazing guy. Yeah. And I mean, you can, and he, he was so emotional. He, when yeah. he got the most valuable player, he's like, what? Like you guys yeah. are crazy, and then they give him most of the Canadian, and he loses it again. And you know, yeah. it's just really nice to see. Not not that other players don't appreciate it, but it's rare you see that kind of emotion from guys yeah. who win those awards. This episode of Two and Out brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power owner Chris Kazowski and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network so it's a great fit you can learn more at parkpower.ca Zach Kolaris uh, 14 of 23 183 yards and an interception McLeod Bethel Thompson 15 of 28 203 yards clean game no picks that's what the Argos yeah. needed yeah I mean they just need to their defense keep them in it. They need the defense to make those plays. They did not necessarily turnovers and everything, which I mean, they did come, but they had to make the stops. They had to force two and outs. They had to, you know, force them to kick field goals at some point, not to let them run rough shot over them. Um, and then they did. And I mean, I mean, five and a half points. When you look at that, it's like, well, I mean, a touchdown, you're done. Yeah. Right. You don't even need to convert at that point, but it just felt like with Toronto's defense and, you know, the storyline of McLeod Bethel Thompson possibly being done, Andrew Harris, you know, you, you knew he wasn't going to go down without a fight the way Olette's been playing. Curly Gittens has been on fire. It just seemed like they were going to be able to keep it close. But I want to know how many empty seats there really was because that looked real bad. Uh, I think people were getting cold and leaving. I'm serious. Like, uh, uh, yeah. before the – it as the game started, it was pretty full. But then – uh as it went on, people were, I think they were leaving. Yeah. The, the, just seems like Regina isn't quite the CFL town that, you know, everybody makes it seem like. I think they're a rider town. Well, it's kind of like uh, Toronto and, and the NHL. It's, they're not a hockey town, they're a Leafs town. I had uh, worries going into this Grey Cup that uh, maybe it wouldn't be as well supported as uh, it usually would I think be. The- I think the festivities and everything would have been fine. They were great. That part, that part I wasn't worried about, but you see, there's a lot of, a lot of green and not jerseys. Even just the second half, it was bad. I think folks were like, I was, I was cold. Uh, That's all I think it was. Uh, Must be nice to just throw $300 away. (laughs) I know Uh, they tried to recoup some of the money. The amount of resale tickets up, was uh, amazing and yeah. i think after 2013 
I mean, lots of Ryder fans expected them to be there, but that's not how it works. That's no, this isn't the world cup. You're not guaranteed a spot. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what I think it was. And that's, that's what happened there at the game. Uh, Andrew Harris had five and a half yards of carry 10 for 55. Yeah. Olette four yards of carry, but the two touchdowns and, Chad Kelly, 21 yards rushing, uh, four of six for 43 yards. He did what he had to do. We already got an email from uh, Michael Walker. <laughs> to yeah, I, I think CFL. without him, without him, we probably wouldn't have a show. <laughs> to an CFL at gmail.com. Guys, the Argos immediately cut McLeod Ripple Thompson and, made, and named Chad Kelly QB1. Thanks for a great season. I think you'd trade him. And my wife Fox. across the room whispers Bo Levi. <laughs> yeah. You trade him because the stock's never going to be higher. <laughs> you trade Kelly or McLeod? <laughs> Kelly. I think McLeod. I think those rumors, like those rumors don't just come out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I asked Bo Thursday night. Oh, weird. Uh, I said, are you going to be in green next season? He says, we'll see. The, the rumor of Spirit of Edmonton Saturday night was that... He had uh, coffee with Ed Herbie. Oh, okay. The lobby of the, which they're allowed to do because he's a Hamilton Tiger cat. Yeah. So that that's completely fine. And so, I mean, they are, they're obviously going to be talking. And they're going to yeah. try to get him. They wouldn't trade for his rights, so they weren't going to try to get the jump on it. Uh, so, I mean, there is that we can report but i mean tsn are reported it's not like we're breaking news um but i just feel like he would have been i don't if i'm believe i mitchell i tell tsn yeah i'm just i'm not gonna come this year i don't need the hassle all weekend <laughs> from these I, idiots i think poor Bo was getting hassled all week like there were tie cat 19 mitchell jerseys already yeah. Which is wild, it's phenomenal. Also, how about the people, the people like bitching about the picture you took on Facebook with them? Oh, get over yourself. And, and he, no, uh, I just don't like Bo. Why? Because because he's a Stampeder. No, it has nothing to do with it. No, that's everything to do with it. Let's it is everything petty. to do with it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the the rumor of Spirit of Edmonton Saturday night is that Bo is signing at Hamilton for nine hundred k a season. <laughs> Who is he, Casey Printers? <laughs> oh, that was like, wait, for two seasons? Like, four fifty no. a year? Yeah. Ah, season. Uh, no, I love no it. No chance. <laughs> Devaris Daniels, his dad was the lucky charm again. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave the Argos the uh, the pregame speech. He was there this week, uh, leading receiver. Oh, no, he had seven catches and leading target getter. Right? 12 targets, yeah, 7 of 12 for 58 yards. But Cam Phillips, 4 for 96. Uh, if you look at the Bombers, uh, Dalton Schoen was the leading receiver, 3 for 78. Uh, there was a deep play in the first half. If that one connected, it's yeah, it maybe a different game. Uh, but it was a tight game all the way through. Shoulda, coulda, wouldas all over the board. I, I got worried with with – the way that Richie Hall was calling defense, like it seemed like Toronto didn't have any adjustments for those right. zero coverage, those seven man blitzes coming at McLeod. It's like run the ball or yeah, you know, make yeah. that quick read. It's hard to throw 
to the edges because you have Jeff Coat and Jefferson, but you know, you have to, you got to start making adjustments at some point because it felt like Richie Hall could have just done that all night. Yeah. I went to the legends luncheon on Friday, sat next to G Roy Simon. I, I shook the hand of the goat, George Reed. And yeah, uh, George is 83 years old. I love how he's just no nonsense. I, I yeah. take the picture with him. He's like, I'm done. He's like, <laughs> he's out like wheeling out of there. And, yeah. Oh. And then Friday night, our group chat got wild. We don't need to get into that too much. <laughs> the, the, I was the like unaf- butter though. I was on a roll. <laughs> the, the unofficial uh, or like Brazilian tie on a spoon, butter on a spoon. Yeah. Uh, uh, the <laughs> <was> margin. Uh, <laughs> the unofficial tweet up had uh, like 800 people in a capacity of that, a 45 venue place. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> great cup hey. week. Great cup week would be great if it wasn't for the damn people. <laughs> They had free pretzels with this garlic aioli kind of thing, and they were. We didn't have to put the aioli on it, but the pretzels were good. They they were good. Were they making you thirsty? Yes. (laughs) Worth the trip to Regina to go to Lancaster. I had Beaks Chicken. I met all Mm -hmm. sorts of new folks that are. Fans of the pod, I can't believe there are still fans of the pod, but the grind lasted all season long, uh, two episodes a week for, what, 21 weeks? So uh, now... More than that. Playoffs are three weeks long. Yeah, next next year we'll cross the 400-episode plateau, so we're not going to do an episode... Uh, next week, uh, but we'll we'll come back maybe December fifth. See who's been fired. See uh, what's what's kind of happened there because the writers have already asked permission to talk to Kahari Jones. They've they already asked over- permission to talk to their own running back coach. <laughs> <laughs> They've already asked permission to talk to uh, uh, Mueller out of mm-hmm. uh, out of Calgary as well. So the the busy season is uh, just getting underway in the Canadian football league. So hopefully uh, if you're listening to this on a flight home to the gray cup or from the gray cup, I hope you uh, had a great time in Regina. Or if you're Neely and Mike driving home from Moose Jaw. Yes. Okay. Yes. I have to bring this up. When we went last time we were in Regina together, they took us on that Neil, not Mike. Took us on that wild goose chase to a Burger King that wouldn't serve us. <laughs> They get into town on Saturday, and the first place the they first go, place they go is that damn burger. And I know they went to it to be petty. The side scene of the crime, yeah. And Mike's order was order number sixty nine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, sorry, bomber fans. That's uh, that's the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, you had you had the last two. You'd be fine for another thirty. 60 <laughs> yeah but like if you're if you're a tie cast fan you can't be happy like this is probably the worst thing that could have possibly happened no like i'm not even trying to sh- i'm not even like your biggest rival goes and beats the team that beat you two years in a row in the gray cup like that's with not brandon fun banks with yeah. brandon banks <laughs> and jagger davis oh boy oh boy yeah Congratulations, Argo fans. I I met a lot of great Argo fans and Bomber fans and all of them uh, this weekend. So we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. It's the lazy off-season edition of Two and Outs up until what? We can can let ourselves go now. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just now. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Two It Out on your favorite podcatcher and uh, YouTube as well. I don't have the best internet in the hotel, but uh, hit it up on YouTube and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 